saved. I'll tell you, I just don't know any way better to live. Um, I'm going to uh, take a little bit of a, a chapter from uh, Dale Vance's style of preaching this morning, so uh, you'll hopefully bear with me. But I just want to read this one verse in Psalms. I'm not preaching from Psalms. I'm preaching from John's Gospel, chapter 11. John's Gospel, chapter 11, is where we're preaching from. But in Psalms 16 and 10, the Bible says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And in your King James Bible, the word holy one is capitalized. There's a reason for that. He is the holy, the holy one, the only one that could do what he did. So John's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to read a little bit of reading this morning as we preach, but you follow along with me. And uh, you'll see how, I, with God's help, hopefully I can make a resurrection message out of this. Um, because it certainly deals with resurrection. Uh, the greatest event that's ever taken place on earth Amen. took place some 2,000 years ago yes, when our Savior was crucified on a cross and rose again the third day. Amen. John's Gospel, chapter 11. Everybody there? Alright. Now I'm going to read... Two verses, we're going to go back and we're going to read this story together. As I preach, I'll read this story as we go along through it. But in chapter, chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, the Bible says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. That's one of the greatest statements I think. That, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this. Father, we thank you again for this day that you've given us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you live inside of us, that we live and breathe only because of you. God, I thank you that we have life because of you, Jesus. And I thank you that the only God that's ever risen from the dead is you. I didn't choose you, but you chose me. Lord, you came looking for me one night and showed me that I was a lost sinner bound and on my way to hell, and I thank you that you allowed me to hear the gospel message, and Holy Spirit, you used that to convict me and penetrate my heart and show me that I needed you. God, I pray this morning for those that are here, maybe some that may be watching or here otherwise, Lord, you know where they are and who they're at, or where they're at and who they are, God, you know what's going on in their lives. And Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you bring to the hearts of each one that hears, God, what they need. Preach through me as you see fit. God, use me as you need them. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you, Lord. And Father, I ask again that you touch the hearts of each one. In Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray and amen. And we thank you, God, for your glory. We ask this. So, um, you, but we'll, uh, as we go through this, you'll learn it. But a lot of times in life, it's like the night can't get any darker and it can't get any longer. And I think, will it ever end? Uh, am I ever going to start seeing the end of this tunnel? The light is, is going to go on and on and on. Is it, I'm so weary. And, and yes, sometimes I get tired of dealing with my flesh. Sometimes I get tired of fighting the flesh and the things that's going on in my life. And uh, we feel like sometimes like all hell is against us and God has forgotten us and the world has turned on us like all of, of life has suddenly turned its attention to us, at least the negative sides of it. 
And I believe when Jesus died on the cross, the people were in his life at that time, in their minds, it could have got much worse. It, just, it couldn't have got any better. Uh, so quickly, how they did not fully believe the scriptures, how they forgot and did not realize what Jesus had told them. He told them, he said, look, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be killed. You better realize this. You better get a hold of that. And I, I guess they thought in their minds, what do you mean? You're raising the dead. How's anybody going to kill you? You're God. Nobody can kill you. Uh, nothing can happen to you. As Peter said, Lord, be it not so, when Jesus told him that. And he told him, to said, get behind who was speaking through Peter. Uh, he knew what was going on. But we can say, I think safely, uh, on the cross, that basically all the hope that everybody had placed in Jesus, in their mind and eyes, suddenly washed away when he was placed in the grave. But glory be to God, the third day he rose again, then all hope suddenly was back. It never left. Now here in this story, I believe we see some similar results and we see some similar things in this story that we can go along with. Uh, Lazarus had died. They asked Jesus to come and heal him. He didn't the way they had in mind and they lost all hope. They had they lost all uh, assurance of anything good was going to come of this. As I said, uh, when Jesus said in verse 25, I am the resurrection. There's a lot of things in life that I can say about myself. I could say I am a gill in the water. You say, how do you know that? Because it was, I inherited it. It's handed down to me, that name, whether I like it or not. Uh, John can say I'm a suitor. Uh, and he, he sold suits for 20, 30 years or something. He's a suitor. Uh, but he's a suitor because that was handed down to him because that's his, that is his uh, generation. That is his uh, family name. Well, Jesus had some names as well. He had uh, some generations. He had some... Uh, accountability here in saying this because anything you say that you are you need to be able to back it up Amen. and he can definitely back up when he said I am the resurrection yes, now on both sides of this story we see the glory of God mentioned but we really this morning if you want one it's God's gloom covers you hold on his glory's coming Let me wet my throat just a touch. All right. So verse one. You keep your Bibles open if you can and follow along with me. We're going to read this story. It's now a certain man named Lazarus. A certain man was sick named Lazarus and he was the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore her sisters sent unto him saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and, and Lazarus. Now, in number one here, we see the distress of man. You see how that Mary and Martha, in a picture, in a scene, Mary's wiping Jesus' feet with her tears. I mean, she's washing it literally with her hair. I mean, I don't know how much more humble that you could get. Uh, you could anoint someone with your hair. I don't know how much more a woman, a lady could do for a man. How much more? Because remember, shoes we had today, they didn't have then. He had on a little, a little leather pair of sandals about that thick, and his feet 
a lot of times they would get dirty, they would get filthy walking around almost just to stay from barefooted all the time. And she loved him so much, she honored him that she wiped his feet with her hair. Here we see that they are distressed. Number one, we see the distress of man. We see how that when things don't go as we got planned, we get kind of stressed out. You and I, we are so limited and nearsighted. We can't see past a moment so much of the time. We can't see past that and we feel so helpless to change things. And we start losing faith and confidence in God sometimes. Like, what are you doing? Because it's not going the way we want it to go. So, verse 6. So, when they had heard, therefore, that he was sick, when he had heard, therefore, he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. So number two, we see the delay of Jesus. Number one, we see the distress of man, we see the delay of Jesus. You see, sometimes it feels like God, a lot of times, God has forgotten us and he's not working on our time frame. Well, he doesn't. He's unlimited power and knowledge. He knows the end. He works on his schedule, not yours and I's. There have been so many times in life I've prayed and said, God, you see what's coming up? This bill's due or i got to make a decision now. I need an answer now. And we get tore up and excited. We start telling God how he needs to do things. How he needs to hurry up and answer this prayer. What's happening? Yes, God sees what's happening. But yet, our distress does force God into a corner to react. So you and I, Sometimes we feel like the gloom of God is covering us and it's like, man, it can't get any worse. And when Jesus was on the cross, been walked up that hill, carrying his cross on the cross of Calvary, he went, hey, it didn't seem like it could get much worse, but thank God resurrection day was coming. There's a resurrection. So we're going to get a bit long on this next point in reading, but you just hang with me here. We're going to see some things. So number one, the distress of man. Number two, the delay of Jesus. Let's read along here a little bit. In verse eight, it says, His disciples say to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone out hither again. I said, trying to direct Jesus. They're trying to direct You and I so often do that. We tell God how he needs to do things. Maybe I'm the only one, but I'm quite sure we all do. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. You know, I remember another place where Jesus said that the eye of man is the, is the light of the, the eyes the light of the body. He said, if the darkness is in there, how much is there darkness? How great is that darkness? How much light? You know, you and I, the darkness, divides us. It splits us between who we are and who we should be for God. So verse 11, it says, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Notice back up in verse 4, Jesus spoke to them. So when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Did they not hear what he said? I mean, he just told them that it's going to be for God's glory. And all they can see is the doom and the gloom. 
All they are is distress. All they are is, is, is torn up here. And so, uh, verse uh, uh, 12, is this it is a he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken uh, of taking a rest in sleep. I like this next couple of verses. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. No, you can't get any more plain than that. I think he got the, let me put this down understand I mean, have you ever tried to explain something to somebody? You try to be a little bit cooth about her, uh, gin or whatever. I think he just said, you know what, enough's enough. Hey, look, guys, he's dead. I mean, I, I, you can't say it much simpler than that. In verse 15, he says, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that he may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. But number three, we see the difficulty in man. A lot of times, it's extremely that what we need to see is not going the way we need to go and our faith starts dwindling. You and I live so much in our feelings and emotions of what we see and think rather than just faith in God. And it becomes difficult. It becomes difficult for God to work in us like he wants to because we make it difficult because we don't have the faith that you and I should have. They don't go the way we want it to. It makes it hard for God's will to be followed by you and I. Let me read on. I'll explain this more as we go. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. Let me give Thomas a little mark here. He gets beat up and banged up pretty bad because he said, I want to see the spurs in his hands and in his side. You know what? He was willing to go with him and die. Now the rest of them seem too willing to go on. Verse 17, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs, that's about a little under two miles, so you'll know. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. So we're still in the distress mode. Mary and Martha are still in distress. Jesus is still delayed. But the difficulty of the lack of faith and hearing in the disciples is making Jesus, I think, sometimes grumble. I think he gets aggravated because he's like, D- I, he probably does me. I wonder if you don't want to look at him sometimes and say, you thick-headed numbskulls, don't you listen to anything I say? Verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. You see, it was Mary's time to shine another time. Now it's Martha's turn, I guess. There's the difficulty again. She knew Jesus was coming, but because she was broken hearted at him not responding to her the way she wanted, she said, I'm sitting here. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Verse 21, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Said Jesus unto her, thy brother shall rise again. So here he's trying to reassure her. He sees that the lack of faith, the, the lack of the story going the way we want it to, the lack of life not going the direction we had in mind, it makes it difficult to trust in him. It makes it difficult for God to work in our lives because it's not going the way we want it. I wonder how many times that Jesus was going up 
Calvary's mountain. And he was dragging that cross. And they was nailing him to the cross. And the disciples were scattered, some in the crowd, some gone. I wonder how often they looked on those three days and said, man, oh man, if only Jesus could have somehow done this or somehow could have done that, he'd still be here. Hey, he was still there in spirit. Thank God he's here today. I don't have to write the story. God did. Quit making it so difficult for him to work. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that goes along with that. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, without faith, it is to please him. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall Notice this question. Believe us how this? Times I think God has to ask us some questions sometimes if we really believe certain things. And we say we do, but does your life show it? Does my life show it? That we really believe what the Bible says. Verse 27, she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which has come into the world. So we see that even here, she is still not believing what he is saying. He's saying, Martha, do you not understand? No one will resurrect without me. Nothing will happen without me. He's saying, you want a title or something or someone? Lay it right here. I am the resurrection is what Jesus is saying. I'm the one that controls this. I'm the one that makes the world turn around. I'm the one that gives life and takes life. Hey, let me tell you something. God is the one that gives life to everyone. And I actually misquoted there. He doesn't. He can take your life as far as your fleshly life, but God does not destroy, does not make man to be destroyed. God made man to honor him, and sin is what destroyed man, and God sends man to hell because of that. So we made it difficult. Isn't it amazing? In these few verses, we see how the disciples kept saying, but Lord, you'll die if you go there. Lord, he's just taking a nap, leave him alone. But Lord this, Lord that, and Jesus said, would you all just hush and come with me? Basically. Verse 28. So we see Martha speaking as when Sid so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister. Master has come and calleth for thee. I'm thankful at times in my life when I've been difficult with God. And I've been difficult probably for him to work through because of my lack of faith and trust. He still calls for me. He still calls me. He still loves me. He still has mercy and he still works. In verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews which then were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary as she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth into the grave and weep there. Then Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit 
and was troubled. So we have the distress of man, the play of Jesus, the difficulty of man, now we have the distrust of man. You see here again, she and Martha and her Mary both, either one, are still trusting him. They're trusting in what Jesus could do. Serve a what he can do now. Yesterday's yesterday. My God's not there. My God is ahead of me and with me now. I need to trust God for now. Even if it looks and gloom, even if it looks like all hope is gone, life is dead, I still need to trust him. You see the distrust. God's plans don't match up. We have a hard time trusting him when the outcome doesn't come out like we thought it would. You know, he's got the problem. He's got a hold of it and he's got a hold of you. And if you trust him, it will show. It'll show. I hear people a lot of times, uh, Christians so often say, oh, just trust God. I want to look at him sometimes and say, are you? <laughs> Do we really trust him? I wonder, I've often thought, Try to picture my mind. If I would have been there that morning and I was one of them that went to that tomb and saw what they had seen, I wonder if I would have trusted. I wonder what my reaction would have been. I wonder how I would have responded. Would it would have taken the nail prints in the hands and the side for me to believe? Would the empty tomb, the napkin, been enough for me to believe like John did? John walked. John just stuck his head in and said, "I'm good, more or less." And that's yeah. He's he's alive. Peter walked in, and said he didn't believe, and Mary saw him in the garden. We were talking about this this morning in the sunrise service, and I, and a lot of times people laugh when I give my little uh, spiel on how Mary reacted. But I don't think Mary looked around, and said, went to the disciples, said, "You ain't going to believe this, but he's alive." I just don't think she was that calm. I think she was jumping up and down. He's alive! You ain't gonna believe this! He's alive! She was excited. When's the last time you got that excited about Jesus? We do a lot of other things. God forgive me. I know some can't be here. I told Drew on the way to church. I said, we had more last Sunday and we will this Sunday. He said, you think so? I said, yeah, because we don't have food. How many we got, Zach? I'm just preaching the, the, the billboard right now. Folks, we need spiritual food way more than we need physical food. We're hurting in our lands and in our families. We need God. We need to trust Him no matter how bad it looks. Your lack of faith will cause you distress. And sometimes because of the delay of God, we get more difficult and our faith dwindles. Then we start distrusting Him. We don't trust Him like we should because it's not going the way we think it should go. Man could have never written the Bible and the plan of salvation. He's not that smart. And I want to know who the author is that was this intelligent to write a book 
this, uh, I mean, put together like this. That psalm I read to you, there's a reason I read it. Do you realize that was written hundreds of years before Christ even came to earth? Do you know how many prophecies were fulfilled in simply his crucifixion and his resurrection? Hundreds that were written and spoken about years before anybody ever heard of Jesus Christ. He was prophesied about. Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. He didn't know what he was writing about, but he knew God was writing through him hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. Psalmist in Psalm 22 wrote about the crucifixion and said that the bulls of Basham have have besought me. They've compassed me about. My bones look upon me. He's speaking about all of his bones been out of joint and all the things he went through. His heart metal like wax. Do you know that John wrote when they speared him in the side and forth came blood and water? That was not discovered until about 150 years ago. 200 years ago. He wrote a medical discovery that was almost 2,000 years in the future. And you tell me the Bible's not real? Man can't write something like this. Impossible. If this wasn't real, do you think I'd be standing up here every Sunday destroying my vocal cords and my voice and spending time? Hey, I'd be somewhere out on a riverbank somewhere right now. Or something. Let me move on and get quit being carnal. Shooting guns. Praise God, I'm preaching now. All right, where are we at? Verse 34. And Jesus, when he said, Where have he laid him? That is said, said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. There's great debate over what that verse means. Some say because Lazarus died. I don't believe that because he knew Lazarus was getting ready to walk out of the grave. You know what I think he was weeping over? I think he was weeping over the fact that nobody believed in him. Nobody really trusted him like they should. They didn't understand who he was. Sometimes we are dull of understanding and so hard-handed of who God is and what God really is. Let me read on here. Verse 36 then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself second time. And just a couple verses here, a few verses. Went to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. That's pretty plain like Jesus saying he's dead, huh? Then verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, said not I unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. So number five, we see the despair of man. Just the distress, the delay, the difficulty of believing, the distrust that comes with it, the despair, then the doubt. We wonder why Jesus don't answer our prayers like we had in mind. And that's when despair and doubt gets very easy. And sometimes it can be in dire situations, dire consequences that this happens. And we think, well, it's beyond God or beyond me. And we all of a sudden start thinking, well, if I'd have had faith like this, 
And if I wouldn't have done this, if I would have this, or if I would have that, and sometimes that may be true, but more than anything, what God is trying to get you and I to do is just simply trust Him. Forget about the outcome. Get your mind off of what the way, yes, I'm not telling you not to pray for things. I'm not telling you not to ask God for things. But get your mind off of a fixed on one particular way the prayer should be answered and trust God just for being God. We don't do that. We trust God for what we want. And then if we don't get what we want, then we don't trust God and we wonder what's wrong. Well, sometimes it may just be simply He just wants you to trust Him. Talking to Dale the other night, he said he can't wait till he gets to the place where he can quit telling his story and just go back to preaching. He goes every time he goes to another church and everybody wants to hear about the, our testimony and the story of Rachel and what all happened. He said it's like tearing the scab off again. He said I can't heal. I said okay. Thing. And we got to talking about. That and he said, more than anything, he said, it's the sovereignty of God. He said, because I know God has a plan and has control. He said, I don't like it that it happened. It hurts. He said, but I know God had control and still does. The quicker you and I get a hold of that, your life may not get any easier but your sleep will get better and your nerve pills will be less. <laughs> your heartache and heart pain will be less. Just trust Him. Just trust Him. Quit getting in such despair that all you can see is, Lord, He's dead. And sometimes, yes, sometimes our sin stinks, but a lot of times our lack of faith stinks a whole lot more like a faith is sin. Verse 41, and I'm winding down here. We're going to land this thing. We're, we're, we're coming into the runway. And they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. Let me pause here for a minute. Has your walk with God ever been as such that you know He hears you every time you pray? You know that you not answer it exactly you're asking it, but you know He's hearing you. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When He had thus spoken, He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! When he was, and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grace. Loose him and let him go. And I want to read these next two verses and point out some things. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Notice verse 46. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus had done. How in God's name could you not believe in the Savior after watching this take place? The same way people today doubt God when they see the very same thing take place when a lost person comes at altar and it's a complete different human being. That's how. 
and we still stay hardened. I thought as Brother Mike was talking about in Sunday school class, and I got to watch not bust out laughing again. He didn't mean it funny, but it sort of struck me funny. His own testimony says, I was raised by a drunkard dad, and I was a drunk. But the power of God filled his heart one day. And God saved his soul. Has it been easy at times? No. Has he craved it at times? I don't know, maybe so. But I want to tell you this, the power of God will so fill you and, and, and make you a new creature that things that used to enjoy you, you will not enjoy, you don't want to be around, you don't want no part of, you are a new person. That is the greatest miracle and the greatest resurrection power you'll ever see as someone that was alive yet dead get life. That's a miracle. In the same way people doubted it then, they doubt it today. They've got just as much evidence so loud. We see the dignity of God. The only reason I use that because the glory didn't start with a D. We see God's glory shine through. Do you know He wants to shine through you as well? God's not outmatched by the world. He's not outmatched by us or our circumstances. Outmatched by anyone's evilness. The problem is we don't trust in the resurrection power of God because we go through this same process that they went through. We see the difficulty of the situation. And we say there's no way I can get out of this. There's no way God can fix this. This is it. This is the end. I've, I've went too far. I've tripped up one too many times. This problem is bigger than me. It's going to swallow me. It's going to eat me alive. Let me ask you a question. If you're a Christian, why do we fear so much? I mean, if you starve to death, you're going to heaven. I mean, what's the worst that can happen to you? The worst thing that can happen to you here is close to hell as you and I will ever get. And the worst possible shape a lost person can be in here is better than what they'll have in hell. You think of the worst possible condition you could get in, you're better off than dying lost. You're way further ahead. People say they're not suffering anymore. They're suffering like they never thought they could suffer. The difficulty of man. Maybe I should have titled this that. I don't know. But sometimes the gloom of God feels like it's totally taken over your whole life. It feels like you're the one been persecuted. You're the one on the cross and suffering like no man has ever suffered. But don't worry. Glory's coming. Just trust Him. How difficult it must have been for those disciples and those women to look at, just look at that empty grave and start believing the Scriptures. But how difficult it is for us when we have more proof than they did and we still doubt. You know, and I'm done here. Peter said, in, in, when he wrote his, I don't mean for first or second Peter, so forgive me, I think first, but it may be second anyway. That's up to you all to find out. Basically, he said, the very words that I've written are more sure. He said, we have a more sure word of prophecy than what I've seen with my own eyes. 
This Bible's more sure. Peter's saying you can put more confidence in it than what I can tell you I've seen with my own eyes. You know, Peter was one of the three. He got to see a girl raised from the day that the dumb other ones didn't get to see. He got to see miracles that only three of them, Peter, James, and John, only got to see certain miracles. The mother was wasn't privy to that. But he was. He said, what I, what I hold in my hand, he said, is more sure than what I witnessed with my own eyes. I thank God today that I have a sure word of prophecy. I have the complete scriptures, the canon of the scriptures right here I hold in my hand. I need for life. I've got right here. Those two little babies, Miles and Josiah, so precious, little, little, just little things. Right now, probably Jason and Gracie may not totally agree with that at times, but they are. They sent you home with them little babies, and we got Remy and Raya, and one of them's almost asleep. Callie's got her new little baby. First baby she's had. I've said this a hundred times. The most complicated thing in the world you'll ever try to assemble is a child. In the hospital of all the things they sent me home with, they did not give me an instruction book. Do this when this happens. Do this when this happens. And you know when you buy something, it has in the back that troubleshooting section that gives you an idea of what to try when something goes wrong. I didn't even get one. Of, I didn't even get a troubleshooting chart. And neither today. I think I need right here. The hospital didn't give me one because they didn't write it. God wrote it. And God give us all the instructions we need, everything in life. Well, your Father, I thank you again. And Lord, I know this may be a little bit different resurrection message. I, I pray that it honored you. Jesus, I never, ever want to disappoint you. God, I want to preach truth. I want to be loving. I want to be kind and gentle. God, I know we've got to be firm with your word. God, this isn't playtime. This isn't something to tippy-toe around with. God, it's life and it's eternity. Lord, I thank you that I have your word to count on. I can put all my confidence in it 100% and know that, Lord, you'll never let me down. You'll never leave me. You will never forsake me. And God, this morning, maybe there's somebody here, God, that's going through some things in their life, Lord, that it looks like all hope is gone. Or let's face it, it can't get much worse than their brother dying. Or Jesus, when you died. For us, that's final. That's a, that's a chapter, that, that's a book that's closed. But Lord, you always had the last say. And God, I thank you that no matter how dark it may get, we can still trust you. And I know your glory will shine through if we'll just trust you. Help us not to make things difficult for you, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray that you help our faith. And I pray this morning for someone here that needs to come to this altar for any reason, that you help their faith, that you increase it, and give them what they need to trust in you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. As we stand, we get a song. If you have a need this morning of any kind, for something on your heart, something in your life that you know that is not acceptable to God, or, or maybe, maybe it is. Maybe you, just, maybe you just need to come and talk to Him. Maybe you need to increase your faith. I don't know what your situation is, but God does. Why don't you come and talk to Him?
Won't you come this morning and do business as we sing?